But the reality is this is just a huddle, right? You don't go to football games to watch huddles. The football team breaks the huddle and they go out and execute the play, right? We huddle here so we, we get on God's playbook and we figure out what's going on in our lives and where we need to be and how we need to live and how we need to go forward. But then we got to go out Monday through Sunday and live a life as salt and life and executing God's plan, which is called the Great Commission. Amen? And we, we are to be a, a group of pioneers. We are be, to be a group of people who are advancing. We are to be a, peop, a group of people who are pressing. Amen? And I'm setting up the message right here, just so you know. I'm already preaching. This is what God has called us to. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. You know what the enemy wants to do? He, he, he doesn't mind if we come into the church and settle in. He, he, he wouldn't mind you sitting on the church pews and getting domesticated, which is what most Christians do. The, fam, famous lines. You remember Mick from Rocky, the old man, his, his old trainer? He looked Rocky in the eye during the middle of one of his fights, and he said, Rocky, one of the worst things that could happen to you doesn't happen. You got domesticated. As Christians, we're not called to domestication. We're actually called to the military. In fact, before we go to Luke chapter 8, just put your finger there. Go, I want everybody to do this. If you've got a Bible... Open your Bible up. Physically open your Bible. If you've got it on your iPad, if it's somewhere, I want everybody to open to this passage. Go to, go to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Verse 11. Circle it. Highlight it. Underline it. Mark it. Memorize it. This is going to be a theme verse for us going into 2024. Let, let this verse be written over Return Church for the year 2024. Psalm 68, verse 11. The Lord, this is King James, the Lord gave the word. Great was the, the company of those that published it. God's given us his word. Right? It says, great is the company or the army of those who broadcast it, proclaim it. God's intention for us, his church, is that we would be preachers of this good news about Jesus Christ. If you have any question about God's intention for your life, that's a big part of it right there. That we would be a part of an army that is publishing the good news about Jesus Christ. That we would be part of a company that is declaring the word of the Lord. Amen? 
Psalm 68, verse 11. Highlight it, underscore it, circle it, mark it some way, put it on a, on a note card, put it on your refrigerator door, get it in your spirit. Amen? And I, I want you to move from a sheep mentality. <laughs> feed me, feed me, feed me. To a soldier mentality. Remember the song we used to sing in Sunday school? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never march in the infantry, shoot the artillery, fly over the enemy. I forgot the rest of the words. I'm in the Lord's army. Scripture calls us soldiers. It says we are to be a part in this psalm, I believe, of a great company that are publishing, preaching, declaring, proclaiming the word of the Lord. That's our assignment. That's what God has called us to. Amen? You're not just here to be partakers. You're not just here to be a consumer. Right? Big, big major problem in Western church culture. We have created a consumer culture in the church. We show up to church to consume a product. Church is supposed to be, like I said, a huddle that where we come to get prepared to go out and execute a play. We, we should rather be an army ready to march for the purposes of God than a people who are eager to be entertained. God wants us to be a mighty army. All right, flip back over to your other finger there. Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. <clears throat> now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceived the power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all of the people the reason she had touched him and how she was immediately healed. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, be of good cheer, for your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's a picture. This is often what happened whenever Jesus would show up. There would be a throng of people. 
And the wording of, of our text, if you look in the 45th verse, it says, the multitudes thronged and pressed Jesus. So it's a picture of, of kingdom activity. There's actually a, a, a great sermon uh, preached uh, by Charles Spurgeon on this. He preached a, a sermon called Holy Violence out of this text. There was violence. There was a throng of people trying, pressing. There was tumult. tumult. There, were, there was striving. There was pressing. They were thronging Jesus. They were doing everything that they could to get to him. And probably many people touched Jesus in that moment. I think that many people were, were, were pressing up against them. Many people brushed up against them. Many people probably laid a hand on his shoulder or touched him in some, some form or fashion, rubbing up against him in this, in this pressing, in this uh, crowded, and that's what it was, a, a crowding in around Jesus. Many actually touched Jesus, but when this woman touched Jesus, something different transpired. The Bible says that power or virtue left his body. Jesus felt that. He sensed that. And this woman was immediately healed of her condition. She had an, an, an issue of blood. Many would believe that it was either one of two things, either uh, that, that she could not stop bleeding. Uh, what's what's the, prop, the medical terminology of that again? hemorrhaging or that it was some kind of uh, a, a, a dysfunction in her body regarding her menstrual cycle. But whatever the case might be, this thing had been going on in this woman's body for, for many years. She, the Bible says, spent all of her livelihood, everything that she had, she had given seeing physicians trying to get fixed and healed from this condition in her physical body. Nothing had worked. But the moment that she touched the hem of Jesus's garment, her life was changed and transformed forever. It's a picture of us coming into the kingdom of God. There is, in coming to the kingdom of God, a pressing that has to transpire. We must press to enter into God's kingdom. That's one of the things as a pastor in 2023 that disturbs me is the lackadaisical spirit, the sedentary spirit that has settled in over Christians. There, there is no pressing. There is no striving. There's no pressing for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Not much of it anyways in, in the Christian church today. We have settled back into cultural norms. We've embraced lifestyles that, that contradict scripture. We're living lives that are passive, that are half-hearted. Our attitudes towards church attendance, towards worship, towards studying the scripture, towards praying. We are lackadaisical and we have lost the press. Jesus talking about the kingdom. This is one of the, the marks of the kingdom. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What an unusual statement. From the time I first heard this as a, as a believer, this, this, state, this statement from Jesus just stood out to me. What does Jesus mean? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Let's look into I want to read the amplified of the same version. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, and these are the words of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has endured a violent assault and violent men 
seize it by force as a precious prize a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion there is a pressing required to obtain the things of God's kingdom. I, I remember, I, I, look, I, I grew up in Pentecost, I grew up in the Pentecostal church circles, and I, I can remember the zeal, the tenacity, the hunger, the spiritual hunger. I, I had an experience, when, when I was visiting Return Church back in, in 2019, I, I made three visits here. We were considering the move. We were praying to see, is this God's will for our, the Hayes family to move to, to southern Indiana and be a part of this, this church? We were praying through that. And we, I made my third visit. I was alone. It was my wedding anniversary, and I came to return on my wedding anniversary without my wife. And I remember I'd, I'd, a lot of times when I would come in, I would stay over at the Manigis' home. And I remember we came in here on a Sunday morning, and the normal worship leaders weren't leading worship that Sunday. It was, it was, it was Shannon and, and, and Jessica. The, I think the, the, the normal worship leaders were out of town, and Shannon and Jessica were leading worship, and they were leading with such hunger. They were pressing into the presence of God. They had taken their positions as worshipers, and there was this hunger. It's like they physically wanted to see Jesus enter the room. That kind of hunger, that kind of tenacity in worship. And it was reciprocating. The people that, sitting on the pews, you guys, and those that were here that day, they, they were reciprocating that hunger. There was a reciprocal, it was drawing hunger. And when I went to the restaurant, we had lunch with Stephen and Rebecca that Sunday. And I sat there at the lunch table and I said, it's a done deal. We, we are coming. We're coming to return. We just got to figure out all the details now. What was it that drew us? There was a hunger in this house. A desiring of God's presence. Desiring to see his kingdom manifest on planet Earth. During that worship experience that was so powerful to me. Because listen, we've traveled to hundreds and hundreds of churches in our lifetime. And that is rare to find today in American church culture. We need to be zealous for the house of God. We need to desire the things of the kingdom of God. There needs to be a, a hunger, a spiritual hunger Listen, if you don't crave food during the day, it's a sign that you are physically sick. And if we are not craving, if there is not a burning on the inside of us, that, that hunger pain spiritually on the inside of us, that, that's a sign that we are not, something is wrong spiritually. We are not spiritually healthy. If we are not experiencing that kind of spiritual hunger, there ought to be a desire to see the things of the kingdom coming to pass, to see the purposes of God manifesting in our life, to experience God's kingdom come to planet earth. And that does not happen without that kind of desire. It doesn't come to this earth without pressing because there is violent opposition against the things of God's kingdom coming. Somebody said it this way, you will not beat a full-time devil being a part-time Christian. 
Satan and all of the demonic forces are coming against the purposes of God with everything that they can muster. And we think lackadaisical Christianity is going to get us to the prize. Listen, I'm just here to tell you this morning, there are certain things in God's kingdom that you will not experience. They will pass you by. Jesus will visit your village, and unless you press through the throng, unless you press through the crowd and lay hold of the garment of Jesus, there are some things that you will miss out on. Without getting down, the, the old folks in the churches that I grew up used to talk about, getting a hold of the horns of the altar, getting a hold of the hem of his garment, getting a hold of Jesus, tearing until they had gotten a breakthrough in their spirit, waiting and pressing and hungering for the things of God. I'm going to tell you, church, without some of that, you are going to miss out on the purposes of God. If there is not a hunger in your spirit, you need to check. God's kingdom doesn't come without a fight. Listen to the words, going back to that verse in the Amplified. The kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. This kingdom is under a violent assault. That's why every time in any situation where you try to mention the name of Jesus in a public forum, it is shut down. It is squelched. There is a, a, a rage and an anger. That, and I ain't mad at them. Those people that are, whether it be people on the news or people in, in society that, that I encounter and I see the spirit on, I don't get mad at them because our, our, our warfare is not in the natural realm. That newscaster, that whoever it is, community leader that, that is bringing that opposition, really there is a spirit behind them, and that's where the real warfare is at. That's why what I was talking about earlier, our worship, that's why it's important. Because our warfare, our, our worship is warfare, and the Bible says in Psalm 149 that our praise executes vengeance upon the heathen. It's not talking about people, when that, that word heathen there. It's literally demonic forces. It's, it's the demonic realms. Our praise moves things. Our prayer moves things in spiritual realms, and we have to understand that. We have to understand that. And so we have to press in prayer. We have to press in worship. And when we're as, in, in doing that, there is a warfare. There are things that are transpiring in our praise, in our worship, in our prayer, in our communion with God. There are things that transpire in those times, in the presence of God. There are break hole, uh, strongholds that, that, that are broken. There are breakthroughs that come. All kinds of things transpire through our praise, through our fasting, through our worship, through our prayer. We have to understand that. So we're a part of a kingdom that is at war. The king, Jesus in this passage is telling us this. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's a statement that we are at war. And again, people are not the enemy. We have to understand that. But we are a part of a kingdom that is war, at war. It's the kingdom of light. And our opposition is the kingdom of darkness, spiritual principalities and powers that are resisting and opposing and assaulting, as it says in the Amplified Version. They're assaulting God's kingdom. Violent assault. We have to understand that, that we are a part of a kingdom 
that's at war and there's a fight. Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, how many realizes the world hates us? There, there is an utter disdain for everything that is Christ-like. As Christ followers, we are hated and we are disdained. Right? If the world hates you, Jesus said, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hates anything that is of Christ. Why? Because there is a, it, literally a spirit of antichrist moving against the church. We, we live in conflict because here's the reality. If, if we are kingdom people, we, we are in contradiction to what this world values. Those that are of the kingdom of light, our, our belief system, our values, our lifestyles, everything that we accept, everything that we receive, everything that we strive to live out is in contradiction to what the world believes. Right? Views on sexuality. Views on life. Views on morality. We go down a long, long list. The world opposes. The world, we, we are in, a, in, a, in the Western culture, in America today, we are in a position where if we stand with Christian values, you, you say that I'm going to be a virgin until the day that I get married, you are going to be radically ridiculed and mocked. Because we live in a Western culture that calls good evil, and evil good, it calls light darkness and darkness light. It calls the sweet things of God bitter and the bitter things of this world sweet. We are a walking contradiction as the children of light. God has called us, he has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness, Peter said, into the kingdom of light. And so we are a holy people. We are a peculiar people. That doesn't mean weird. It means that we are set apart and unique, marked by the purposes of God. We are a, 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 a nation. We are a chosen people. And we are a walking contradiction to everything that this world values, loves, aspires to, and esteems. So we have to understand that. And it takes pressing because there's opposition to really live that out. In Luke, the same verse, Matthew eleven twelve, where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Luke records it in his gospel and, and look at the way that he says it. It's in Luke 16, 16. He says, the law and prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. So we have to press. What did the writer in, in Philippians say? I, he said, I had all these accolades, right? Pharisee of Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin, lists his pedigree, and he says, I've piled that on the pile of dung and counted it as nothing that I might know the excellency that is in Christ, and this is what I do. I press towards the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. I press towards the mark that God has set. Right? There's pressing. There's pressing. In other words, it takes more to be a Christian than sitting on a pew. 
Somebody said, just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Right? God is working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It takes pressing. It takes persevering. It takes overcoming. If we're going to experience the, the, the things of the kingdom of God, that's what it's going to take. One way we could translate this first, and I think it's Phillips, J.B. Phillips that did this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advanced and violent men are forcing their way into it. It gives us a picture. You want to see what the kingdom of God looks like? It looks like a woman dealing with an issue in her physical body, pressing through a throng, pressing through a crowd and, and getting a hold of the hem of Jesus. This story is in the scriptures as a picture, as an analogy to us to see what it sometimes takes for us to obtain the things of the kingdom of God. We've got to press through some things. We've got to press through the crowd. We, when, when all this thing's going on, around, we've got to press through and we ourselves have to lay hold of the garment of Jesus. Right? So let, let's bring this to some practical application. What does that mean? It means that we as Christians are here for more than T-shirts with slogans and, and wristbands that say, what would Jesus do? And fish bumper stickers. And anybody ever been cut off by somebody with a fish bumper sticker that also gave you the middle finger salute? Right? We're, we're here for better things. We, we are here as the people of God to see kingdom come. And that kingdom does not come without a fight. That's why, and we're going to read through a couple of scriptures before we get here. And don't worry, I've still got another hour to go. See who's nervous. I don't. The scripture indicates that we're a part of an army here with the purpose of advancing a kingdom. Amen? The word in the scriptures occupy. I want to look at the verse here in just a second. It says occupy until I come. It's a military term. And it doesn't mean occupy a seat on a pew. It's not the same. Like some of you occupy your lazy boy when you get home from work. That's not what we mean when we say occupy. This is actually a military term. A military goes into a nation. Great, great example. We went into Iraq. What did we do? We went over there. The same thing we did with Afghanistan. And sadly, we left that and left a big mess. But we went over there. We pushed out the terrorists. Violent opposition. And we worked to set up government. We did business. Our military was there doing business on behalf of the American people. This is, and Jesus gives this in a, in a parallel, or in a, in a parable, but, but this is very emblematic, very, very uh, illustrative of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. We're in hostile territory fighting 
a spiritual foe. The kingdom of light is advancing. I, I love this verse out of Isaiah. It says, to the increase of his government, there shall be no end. I tell you what, there, there's a video I'm going to bring next Sunday and play for you, and it shows the expansion of the church through, through uh, the last 2,000 years. And the advancement of God's kingdom, if you see it in this graphic, it is absolutely incredible. So I, I don't believe that we're here to be the devil's punching bag until Jesus comes back. I don't think we're here just to complain about what the government's doing until Jesus comes back. I don't think we're here to make statements like it's bad and it's going to get worse. We're here on an assignment from God not to complain about what's going on around us, but to actively engage human beings with the gospel so that the kingdom of Christ can come to their hearts and the kingdom of light can be expanded in planet Earth. That's why we're here. When I talk about conflict, I'm not talking about a military conquest. I'm not, I'm not talking about political advancement. I'm talking about the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about us as believers bringing kingdom heaven to earth. That's why we're here. So in this, in this parable in, in Matthew or Luke, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 19, verse 11, this is what it says. It says, they heard these things, and he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Again, they were looking for military conquest. And so they missed the kingdom of God. So Jesus gives this, this analogy. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, Jesus says to them, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. How many of you know that's what Jesus has done? He came for a kingdom and he's going to come back for it. That's the parallel here. Verse 13, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business until I come. Occupy, in some translations. It's, and it's literally a military term. To go, like, 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 for example, the United States Army going and doing business in Afghanistan, in Iraq, for the American people. Go and take care of business. So th this is a parable that explains our purpose as the church. Jesus came for a kingdom. He's going to return for that. And if you go, go I encourage you, go home and read the rest of the parable. There, we're going to give an account He's entrusted us as stewards. He's given us the minas. He's going to come back and see what we've done with it. Were we faithful stewards? Did we advance his kingdom purpose in the earth, or did we sit on it and squander it? Another parallel said they dug a hole and buried it because they, they were afraid of what was going to happen when the master would come back. Jesus is calling us to take this kingdom that we've been made stewards of and advance it throughout all of the earth. That's what the Great Commission essentially is all about. Let me, let me give you an analogy. Anybody like zoology? A couple, all right. This young lady on the second row. So in, in zoology, every, every group of animals is given a name. Do you know that? We, we have a group of horses that's called the brood. 
A group of cows is called a herd. A, a, a bunch of geese is called a flock. Right? A bunch of snakes, a den. You know what you call a bunch of crows? Murderers. Very good. Very astute. Flamingos. A group of flamingos is called a flamboyant. It's also the same name given to a group of televangelists. <laughs> a group of buzzards sitting on the high wire waiting for dinner. It's called a committee. I, I learned this one here recently about ravens. A group of ravens is called an unkind because they do not get, get along well together. The only time you see ravens gather together is when there's food to be had. Otherwise, they don't get along, so they're, they're called an unkind. But here, here's the one that I wanted to point you guys to. Do you know what you call a group of rhinos? So before I tell you, let, let me just explain the way this thing works. Do you know how much a rhino weighs? Up to 3,000 pounds. Do you know how fast a rhino can run? 30 miles an hour. Do you know how far that a rhino can see? 30 feet. So by the time he sees you running 30 miles an hour and tries to put the brakes on, which usually they don't even bother to do, crash. That's why a group of rhinos, even when they're standing around in a watershed, they are called the crash. Did you know that? And I think that rhinos are a beautiful example of the kingdom of God. Because we are a mighty army, and we've got momentum, and we can't see except for where the Holy Spirit's telling us where to go. Crash. I believe that God's people are a force to be reckoned with, and we don't even know it. I believe that the, the rhino is a perfect analogy of what the kingdom of God looks like. Get up and get going. Get up and get going. I want to say two more things to you, and we're done. The kingdom of God requires commitment. Being in the army requires commitment. One young Elvis Aaron Presley in, in, was enlisted into the United States Army during the Korean War. And he went to check in. He went to the barber. And the barber was there to give him a haircut and said, would you like to keep your sideburns? And he said, yes, sir, please. You know what the barber did? He shaved them off and put them in an envelope. <laughs> Being in the Army requires commitment. Being in God's kingdom requires commitment. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, where they train a lot of military folks. Some of the training stations are there. And I remember going to pick people up at the airport, and there would be a line of cadets. They would walk in like they were going to see their buddies and shake the hand with the sergeant. And the sergeant would shout at them, get in line! It takes a toughness to be a, a soldier. I want to read two passages, and hopefully these passages will do the heavy lifting. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 
It says, a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. All in loving him and his kingdom. What, what does this mean? Is, is God calling us to be hateful to people? No. It's saying that our love for others should pale in comparison. It should look like hate in comparison to the love that we have for our God. That's essentially what Jesus is saying here. Verse 27, he says, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? At least after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who, who sees it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him and comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the others... The other is still a great way off. He sends a delegation and asks considerations of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. The kingdom requires all. We're not in because we shake a preacher's hand. We're not in because we recite a prayer. We're in when we realize our need for a Savior. The folly of this world. And have a desire to make Jesus our all. If you want to know how salvation comes, that's it. It's going all in on Jesus. If you're sitting at the, at the casino table, you're putting all your chips on Jesus. That's salvation. The kingdom of God requires commitment. Number two, the kingdom of God requires toughness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm done after this passage. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Christ. I, I get flustered in life. I get worn down. I come to the place where I want to quit. You know why that usually happens? It's because I'm trying to muster up strength in my own self and not relying on the grace of Jesus. Lean into Jesus and there's grace that comes that will cause a strength to come to your life. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to half-hearted men. Faithful men. Who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. We're called to be soldiers who endure, and in this passage, the statement, don't get entangled with the affairs of this world. Let me, let me wrap up by saying this. I've, I've expressed concerns about church, but those are concerns about the Western church. Let me, let me tell you about the church. The church is all right. There are men and women who are faithful and who have wrapped themselves up in the grace of God and found a strength that causes them to endure. And they set their eyes on a kingdom which will not perish. And they have given all of their life to advance that kingdom. We are not defeated. We lack nothing. Jesus is coming back for a church that is strong. He's coming back for people without spot or blemish. He's coming back for a bride that is victorious. He's coming back for a people of great faith that have thrown all in on him and trusted him. Even when it didn't look like it was going their way, they kept trusting. Even when it didn't look like it was going to be a good day, they kept praising. Even when it looked like it was futile to be a witness, they kept witnessing. Even when it looked like there was opposition coming against them, they kept pressing. Even when it looked like there was no way they were going to get through the crowd, no way they were going to get through, they kept pressing. Jesus is coming back for a church that is powerful, full of his grace, full of his might, full of his Holy Spirit, and they are fruitful, and his kingdom is advancing on, on planet Earth. Church, I want to inspire you to rise up and be a part of that glorious, beautiful body the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not of those who draw back. We are not of those who quit. We are not of those who have compromised. No, we are going on into the purposes of God, and we are going to see great things before the coming of Christ. I, I have so much vision, and I believe it's gonna to come to pass. You know why? Because I see people pressing. Driving a van, they're pressing. Going to jail, they're pressing. Handing out clothes in a clothes closet, they're pressing. Worshiping, they're pressing. There are people who are pressing, amen? And I want to encourage you this morning, keep pressing. Keep advancing, amen? Be a, be a good soldier and endure the hardships. Don't get entangled in the things. Don't get distracted. Don't let this world eat up your time. Press into the things of God. Go after Jesus with everything that's on the inside of you. It's going to be worth it, amen? He causes us to triumph in all things, in all things. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for grace. 
Let a supernatural grace come. Lord, we look to you right now in this moment. Lord, we look to you and we receive all that you have for us, Lord God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we stretch forth our hands unto you, Lord God. We reach out to you, Lord God. Father, we press. We press. Even in this moment, we press, Lord God. Father, we refuse to quit. We refuse to relent. We refuse to back down. There, is, there are many challenges. There are many things that are coming against us. There's all kinds of situations and circumstances that are amiss in our lives, Lord God. But we continue to trust in you. We continue to do what you've called us to do, Lord God. We will lay hands on the sick. We will lay hands on all of those who are oppressed with demonic spirits, Lord God. We will continue to proclaim the word of the Lord. We will continue to preach. We will continue to pray. We will continue to fast. We will continue to press. We will continue to worship. We will not relent. We will not quit. We're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We are going to be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you cause us to prosper, that everything that we put our hand to will flourish, Lord God, that we're going to bear fruit in every season. Our leaf will not wither, Lord God. You're going to cause us in darkness to be light, Lord, in difficult seasons to persevere. Father, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Lord, cause your people to rise in great strength, Lord God. Father, we look to you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God, and we look to you. Father, we commit all that we are to you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you need to come and press, I want you to come and press. If you need to get down to this altar and get a hold of the hymn of Jesus, I want you to come. If you need salvation today, I want you to come down to this altar. If you need healing in your body, come and press. Come and get a hold of the hem of his garment. If you need deliverance, if there's a stronghold in your life, if there's addiction in your life, I want you to come and get a hold of Jesus. Press in. Press. Don't quit. But overcome. Overcome through Christ. We can overcome. Hallelujah. Church, I'm going to dismiss you, but I want to encourage you to come and to press. If you need to uh, come pray, come and pray at this altar. You are dismissed. God bless you. Join us in Louisville this afternoon if you can. Get down to this altar if you want to press.